0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Stories from Space Podcast, where your host, Matthew Williams, examines the history of human spaceflight The breakthroughs that revolutionized our understanding of the universe and our place in it, and the brave individuals who work tirelessly to advance the frontiers of our understanding. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: The authors acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional unceded lands of the Lekwungen peoples. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Stories from Space. I'm your host, Matt Williams. And today joining me in the booth is Mackley Carroll, who is the deputy executive director of the Space Court Foundation. Uh, Mackley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you on. Now, listeners may recall in a previous episode, we had other members of the Space Court Foundation on, and they were speaking about what they will be doing this year in Paris. Mac Lee is uh, here with us today to discuss their other efforts, their other outreach, and why this is extremely important in today's world, where we find ourselves in a sort of renewed space age and with new opportunities to do it better and to do it right.
2: So is that a fair assessment of, of your efforts of what the Space Guard Foundation does? Yeah, that's a spot on assessment because like, we're all about promoting and supporting the rule of space law education. Cause you know, a lot of people don't know space law even existed or space law has been a thing. Space law has been around since at least the 1960s from the outer space treaty of 1967. So uh, it's very important for us to promote and put this out there. And on top of that, what Space Corps does that I think is really cool is our internship program. We give students around the world the opportunity to engage in space law, because it's one thing to just push the theory of space law, but it's a completely other thing to actually act on it. So that's something that I'm very proud about that Space Court does. Yeah, and uh, in fact, this goes to
1: the heart of a lot of questions that I, that I have for you today, which is the outreach and the internships and the educational series. When talking to Nathan and Chris last time, we touched on this, but I have a feeling you can tell us so much more. So the... The shows that you guys do, there is the Stellar Decisis, which is the the mock court, the space bar show, and something that is very, very interesting too. This is a major series that you guys
2: recently launched, which is the Women of Color in Space series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's something that's uh, very, very uh, dear to my heart. The Women of Color in Space series was started by me and my colleague, Navidita, NIVI for short. And the whole focus of that is just to increase accessibility to space law and policy and highlight women of color in the industry. Like I'm sure a lot of people have seen the hidden figures, you know, like women are very, very important part of the industry. And uh, these women of colors, even to this day, are still trailblazers in the field that a lot of people don't know about. So our whole, our whole ideal is to just Give them the the spotlight that it, that they deserve because they yeah. are unsung heroes in the industry. And well, yeah, for any any listeners who um,
1: haven't seen this uh, this film, Hidden Figures, and it's based off a novel. This uh, credited several pioneering women of color who worked for NASA during the early 1960s. Then, and they were they were computers and they they performed all manner of math and analysis there and they they helped the mercury program and all of its the things that spun off from that gemini apollo and Mm -hmm. yeah these were and yet there were individuals whom most people could not name or even exactly yeah exactly well so so then the series this is the same idea right we're drawing attention to people who are making a big difference Battling greater barriers because just to get there, it requires that they have to overcome a lot more than their colleagues Mm -hmm. in terms of like attitudes and access.
2: Yeah, and we encourage them. Yeah, we encourage them to actually talk about and express the difficulties they face as trailblazers in the scene in the field because, you know, from the outside looking in, you always hear about the end of the success stories. You don't really hear about the hardships that happen. So we think Mm -hmm. that it's really important for people who are interested in the space industry to hear that. So the cool thing about the women of color, even though we're a space Corps foundation, we focus on space law and policy with this series, we actually focus on every part of the space industry. So I think that's mm-hmm. it, it's great work that uh, Nivy and the rest of the space Corps team have done. The first episode or the first interview that you guys did,
1: that was with Ravimbo Samanga. And mm-hmm. I, I remember the last time we had a chance to talk, that was sort of imminent. The episode where she was featured and telling her story, and but uh, now there's a series of different women there who were featured and were talked about. Yeah, and they are let's see, uh, Ale
2: Pachini. Yep, from the she works with the Women for Space for UNOSA for the UN. So yeah, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of who's who's in the in the industry. Yeah, and let me, just to shout out Uvombo. I know she was named CNN's top women in space in Africa. So that's mm-hmm. a, a real great accolade. I know we also had Deepika J. Cody from uh, Airbus, Gina M. Halabi, too. Yeah, we've had it's, it's really a who's who in, in the space industry. And I know we had one of your one of your colleagues, Vera, who did oh. space architecture from Mars Society. You yeah, know, uh, yeah, so one of our big videos, one of our most viewed videos.
1: Yeah, oh yeah well yeah Vera Muliani is Mars City design and yeah well her, her membership is uh, is long and extensive but yeah. yeah her her flagship is Mars City design and yeah the uh, in yeah. fact I uh, yeah she she is uh, featured in uh, another episode uh, of the series yep yeah, we, we had a chance to work together uh, to create a, a, a separate podcast about people living on Mars in the future and that was that was very fun a few celebrity voiceovers were in there and nice yeah and and also me for some reason I, I did one character but uh you you kind of insist on it there when you're when you're writing these people and trying to bring them to life it's like i want to do their voice D- don't don't um, sell
2: yourself short matt you're definitely a celebrity <laughs> in the field too you know part of, this is history oh. in the making this is what we're experiencing
1: yeah okay well you you just gave me the perfect uh, launching point for the next thing so so in terms of Space law. Now, you already said it, I I would say, perfectly there. It's like, this is something that most people today really know nothing about. We were to talk, to say this, it's like, well, there's laws in space. And it's like, yes, there are. There are treaties. But there's so much that we don't yet have, you know, a legal framework for. And Mm -hmm. there's so much concern about space becoming some kind of Wild West
2: issue. So, I mean... This was the reason why space court was founded wasn't it yes 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 definitely because yeah we want to avoid um like a wild west and personally i think we want to avoid something we want to avoid a colonialism 2.0 you don't want to have the the same problems that we had here on earth occur in space so it's best Mm -hmm. to get in front of that and you know something that you see in the space industry is that the rate of technology goes a lot more faster than the laws and regulations that's why it's kind of important for us to be placed in front of that right now.
1: Yeah. So would it be fair to say that uh, it's like on the one hand, you guys are looking to try to get all existing space law into one place so that people can know what it is, but at the same time, foster discussion so that the
2: policies that don't yet exist can be formulated? Yes, that's spot on. We actually, when you're talking about placing everything in one space we've been working on a space law library so you know no matter where you are in the world because even though there's a big international treaty in the outer space treaty each country has their own national laws and that will happen in terms of licensing in a liability even how they handle things like space debris and stuff like that so each and some countries don't have these laws in place yet so it's important to see what's happening and where it's happening, and then you know you can compare and analogize. So, what kind of uh, scenarios would you say? Because uh, this this is what
1: Stellar Decisis does, there, right you have You have people in these videos there, uh, or a court in these videos discussing a recent incident or ruling, and they're and they're arguing right in front of a judge. What do you, what do you imagine the likely scenarios are going to be like that. So in, in the near
2: future, like with the commercialization of low earth orbit. And just to give uh, the listeners some context, stellar decisis takes place in the far future because there actually hasn't been, you know, many actual cases dealing with space yet, but you know, it will happen. Um, And yeah, it could be anything from two satellites crashing into each other and like whose fault is it? Um, Is it country A or country B? Or you could have things when um, even you'll see it in our cell of in our actual trailer, there's a lunar basis set up. And then if an accident happens and it ricochets and causes the chain effect lunar bases which are usually international projects, it's like, well, yeah. So with a country A, B, C, or D who takes responsibility for it, there's a lot of stuff that will probably be happening in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that,
1: that is a good like smattering of, uh, of like the concerns. You mentioned Space 3 earlier and like orbital space law, and that, that is a major concern. I know I, I'm constantly seeing people, you know, someone has written about this. They're talking about the situation. And, yeah, I see there's a lot of anxiety about that. It's like, oh, God, we need to figure out how we're going to do this before we do it. And um, the moon, I mean, right now, there is a lot of concern about what if China lays claim to this area, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what if what if anyone does? What if uh, Russia and China, you know, claim certain spots and and we have to claim other spots and
2: how's that going to work out? And yeah, mm-hmm. there's Dude, a lot the of governance anxiety. governance is a big issue. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And as you know, um, I'm not sure if your viewers know about or your listeners know about too, the Artemis Accords is something big that's happening uh, in the space industry. And it's in anticipation of, humanity's return to the moon and you know we had apollo and now we have artemis apollo's sister it's actually going to bring the first woman on the moon and the first person of color on the moon so that's something to be really excited for and like the us is leading that that front but we have a lot of countries that have signed on to it including uh japan brazil luxembourg a lot of countries
1: Mm -hmm. well yeah and i remember last time we talked russia had said they wouldn't be signing because they felt it was too u.s centric mm-hmm. since they've since partnered with china to say we're going to be doing our own um, our own program and they called it the international <laughs> Lunar research station uh, there's not a lot of details available on what exactly that's going to look like there but yeah we, the fact that they said we're not doing this and since then you know we're going with this I mean that too. Is that a
2: cause for concern? Well, well yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people in the in the space industry and people do think there's a, a space war almost brewing, but I think that might be like a, a chicken little skies falling thing right mm-hmm. now. Like if you assume positive intent, hopefully some positive things come out of it. Um the thing is about the moon is like there's limited space on the moon and that's where you could see there will be some conflict, but I don't see why not. There can be some kind of agreement. Between everyone who's doing the Artemis party and everyone on the Russia and China side to um, reduce conflict, because that's something we do not want. There's no need for us to bring conflicts from Earth to the to the Moon. Like mm-hmm. you can see on the on the ISS, there's there's very rarely you hear about any kind of tension on ISS. Even though recently things have, might have been changing, but you rarely hear about that. Like Russian mm-hmm. astronauts are friendly with American astronauts. So there's no reason why we can't have that kind of uh, relationship on the moon.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that example, because that's that's what came to mind for me. And this being another major development, which I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with, how the Russian invasion of Ukraine has set cooperation in space back uh, considerably. And Rogozin, yeah, the head of uh, Roscosmos there, these made many multiple boasts and threats online about how, Oh, Russia's is going to pull out of the ISS. Good luck keeping it up there without us. But uh, yeah, there's no actual indication they're going anywhere. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't, as the propaganda video showed, just close the hatches and and break off. <laughs> you can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, and of course, like so the, the Outer Space Treaty, it's something that everyone still seems to believe in, which is that nobody can claim anything because that would just that would be to the detriment of all mm-hmm. to a shooting match. Yeah. Um, so the other major thing with regards to the moon and space, right. Is commercial interests oh. uh, because that is not, I, I would say I've argued elsewhere that it is kind of included in the outer space treaty, but it's not spelled out in black and white that, you know, companies can't assert sovereignty or companies can't claim things. And that's become a bit of a concern too with the Trump administration's executive order saying that, yeah, companies can lay claim to resources and extract them and sell them. And so, yeah, would it be fair to
2: say that's that's a going concern as well? That is a going concern. It seems like it's almost like a loophole in the Outer Space Treaty, right? Yeah, because the Outer Space Treaty says no country can own anything. A company isn't a country. But then it's still at the same time, a company is registered at a home country, right? So mm-hmm. it the Outer Space Treaty does cover that because y- you're a company is rep- being represented by a country, so that's still in place. But then you know you talk about practicality, actuality versus theory at that point mm-hmm. because if you have the money to set up shop on the moon or Mars, like who's really going to stop you, right? So that's mm-hmm. where concern happens in that in that respect.
1: Yeah. So yeah,
2: that too. That's that's a
1: wild west fear. It's like, well, Elon Musk is definitely going to try to lay claim to to Mars if he can, or parts of it. I, and I recall that was the purpose of the Moon Treaty, right? It, it it specifically said you companies can't lay claim to the Moon,
2: just like countries can't, uh, or you know, parts thereof. The thing about the Moon Treaty is that most countries, or most space-faring countries, the you know, the big three the U S Russia and China didn't sign it. So most people consider mm-hmm. it a failed treaty, you know, yeah. it still exists though. There's still some good stuff that can be taken from it, but it's one it's, it's the weakest treaty. It's the weakest link as far as a uh, international regulation in space is concerned. Yeah. And that it even says
1: so in the, that executive order there, right. Mm-hmm. We never signed the moon treaty. We don't believe in it. So go ahead. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah, I liked that about the Artemis Accords. I felt like uh, NASA was trying to say, you know, by the way, we still believe in the whole no sovereignty, new neutral thing for all of humanity, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, don't, don't believe what this order says too much. Yeah. But yeah, I like that the outer space treaty has that, there is that sort of implied thing there. Anybody who's operating within a space agency's area is answerable to that government and the government can't make any sovereign claims. So
2: it's like, yeah, really forward thinking. It was really, really beautiful. Like I'm not, I, you know, there's people who like really love the constitution and are fundamentalists of the constitution. And like, yeah. I never really understood that until I got into space law. And then I started mm-hmm. reading about the outer space treaty. I was like, wow, it's actually a really beautiful document and how it thought about uh, the future moving forward. Now, when you were talking about, about Martha reminded me, do you remember start there was some news like maybe one or two years ago about Starlink's terms and condition. And then they had like there was like a blurb about like even though it's Starlink and you know it's for for internet and the satellites on Earth, there was a blurb about going to Mars and anyone who goes to Mars will be under the jurisdiction of SpaceX. And it's you know <laughs> some people are scared but it's really a yeah. challenge because they can't really you can't just write international law in your terms and conditions. You can't just yeah, circumvent yeah. it like that. No, it yeah, was real. I, it was real funny though. I totally
1: remember that. Yeah, it's like uh, users must recognize Mars as a free state or whatever.
2: It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, Elon's manifesto here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in uh, in fine print, in small print. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That is a, a very neat thing. And it, it will, all of this is going to make for some very interesting developments moving forward, isn't it?
2: For sure, for sure. Yeah
1: and and in fact the the conversations that i that i hear people having from a bunch of different sectors like for example uh, the Kepler Space Institute they are working on certification for space medicine which doesn't okay. exist yet and that that's a major question and and one of the biggest things is the legal aspects right if somebody gets sick on the moon or needs emergency surgery a doctor Well, they need to be certified with some kind of authority in order to perform surgery and not, you know, be arrested afterwards for in case they made a mistake or whatever. Because, yeah, it's like someone someone's going to want want that doctor's head because, you know, you you were supposed to save my my person here, but uh, didn't. And it's like, yeah. So how can we do something like that? Because if if they can't legally perform surgery or medical practices, then, well, they may choose not to, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, in a recent conversation, Frank White mentioned about we we need to figure out a lot of things uh, moving forward, like how we're gonna live out in space and from a, a health standpoint, from sustainability standpoint. And now, and you guys are talking about the legal aspects, and it's like it, it is it's very impressive, isn't it? There's this big convergence of we need to figure out all these things if we're going to be out in space
2: yeah yeah it is a lot of work and i think what people fail to realize is whatever we have here on our planet there's like literally whatever we have here on our planet there's a, an exact analog for that in space or there'll be need for an analog for that in space so like such things like space medicine space law even space fashion right like for space suits or things for you know so something sustainable if you're going to live there you might not want to be rocking a uh, straight up astronaut suit the whole time there's those things of that in, in even food, right? And that space for agriculture, food. all these things, things that we have on Earth, there's definitely going to be a need for that in space. So that's why I like, I like to tell people that space is literally for everyone. You don't need to be a scientist. You don't even need a law degree to be involved in the space industry. Yeah. You just, you got to care. <laughs> yeah. But uh, really.
1: obviously, we do need some people with, you know, strong legal backgrounds, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yeah, uh, the rest of us, we're just, we're amateurs. Speaking of which, you yourself, you have a very strong tailored background in space law. You went to the International Institute of the Air and Space Law at Leiden University, or rather, sorry, you're a graduate
2: of that university. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in Holland, isn't it? That- yep, Leiden. Yep. It's in the better land of the Netherlands. One of the, yeah, I love that place. It was a great program. And at the time, there was only one of four in the world where you could get certified. Um, Mississippi, which... People don't notice they have the longest running space journal, space law legal journal. Um, There's one in Nebraska for people who are into the military or cyberspace, because even that's going to be a part of the space infrastructure. And then there is a school in McGill in Canada that's really big into um, space law. Yeah, in fact, I think Nathan or Chris was saying that that's currently that they
1: have one of, or if not one of the, the biggest library when it comes to space law mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Feel, yeah,. yeah, okay. well also uh, while you were at uh, Leiden, you were part of the International Association for the Advancement of
2: Space Safety yeah. the IAASS. Oh yeah, so that's part of ISA's uh, uh, business incubation center and what we focused on there was well when, when I was working there was third party liability with in commercial human spaceflight because you know uh, we had Virgin Galactic Blue Origin, do the first commercial flights last year. So that's going to be more commonplace as we move forward. So, and this is something that we need to, yeah, there needs to be a legal framework around it because the mm-hmm. passengers aren't astronauts. There's an actual legal definition for what makes, what it takes to be an astronaut. So when you're going to have commercial passengers in there, you need to, there needs to be something to govern them just in case, you know, any injuries happen. Yeah, that's definitely uh, my next question there. Um, uh- so when it, when it
1: comes to space law, I know this applies to where medicine is concerned. The laws that we have right now, they apply to you know, everything up to the Kármán line, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're flying to suborbit with uh, Virgin Galactic or uh, Blue Origin, well, the flights are rather are rather brief. But if mm-hmm. somebody had to perform medicine while they were still up there, it's technically, you know, it's like aviation law. But on the ISS, going to space, going to low Earth orbit, there, there's a, a different framework in place. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if an astronaut gets sick or hurt, um, it, as I understand it, it's it's like oh, that it's that country's uh, uh, concern. Like they they uh, their their fellow astronauts are responsible for them.
2: Yes, right? yes, exactly. Yes, yes that was an issue as an raise cuz yeah well a lot of the flights will be from from the US at this point doesn't mean the passengers will be right so you could mm-hmm. have have from around the world so you're going to need laws that regulate that regulate international passengers happening mm-hmm. yeah
1: well and yeah that's that's really it isn't it yeah in the future and then not too distant future people are going to be taken off from different parts of the world and Going to space with carriers that are registered to this country, and yeah, it's like uh, going through all that is going to be so complicated. We need some kind of like a single
2: document that just says, "Okay, this is what we're doing." And this is real yeah, interesting. I, yeah, because mm-hmm. um, when I was at Leiden, my my master's thesis was on the commercial under uh, regulation of commercial spaceports because that's going to be the foundation. That's where everyone for for those who don't know, everyone who will be flying. Into space will be flying from a spaceport, so mm-hmm. um, you need and the, and people think you know the laws really matter just once you're on the on the launch vehicle and into space. But like an airport, there's laws and regulations that to cover people on the ground, right? So yeah. you can have you just even like labor laws, right, for people who are working the actual ground of the spaceport. And you need things. The uh, space insurance becomes a thing in that matter too. There's like, like like I said earlier. Anything that we have on earth is going to be an analog for it for space. Even when we haven't left the planet yet, there's going to be, Mm -hmm. uh, those laws will come into play.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Because these people are responsible for getting you on there. So So, it's like before, before you fly, you're you're made aware of certain rules and conditions, right? It's like, yeah, we're responsible for you. So we need you to understand what, Mm -hmm. how that works. And yeah. And it occurred to me, satellites right if they're colliding in liability it's like man it's just like traffic laws and car insurance isn't it exactly exactly yeah. i wonder i wonder if they'll have no fault liability insurance there or <laughs> it's like no no you definitely failed the signal here you you failed mm-hmm. to file a, a renewed flight plan with uh, whoever and oh and that's yeah that's yet another thing flight plans
2: <laughs> yeah yeah space traffic uh, awareness and space traffic management are going to be really really big issues Mm -hmm. Um, once more people start going up there, um, reminds me every time I think about that, it reminds me of the expanse and like, you know, like you have to have a transponder that, that first space situational awareness to make sure you're not going into other people's orbits and it's some, some really exciting stuff. Yeah. In in a way,
1: this is all like what was once explored in fiction is now fast becoming a, a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, yes. Uh, the, these discussions have been happening for years, but not in a serious legal way. They they've been the stuff of uh, speculation. And, yeah, and uh, yeah. Oh, oh, that is neat. <laughs> it's always I, it's always seems really exciting when that starts to happen too. Yeah, <laughs> for
2: sure. Yeah.
1: So, um, in in terms of the near future, um, are there other plans for the Space Court Foundation? Are, are there? new areas that you know you guys want to expand into for example the interview series you know do you have any more segments like that uh, like uh, women of color in space lined up and any yeah uh, so
2: we're we other other Into season two into season two of the women of color series mm-hmm. and then in fact i just want to just interview just people of color right because like it's important to have more people that look like me and get recognized for their talents to be in the space industry So that's something that's super important. Like we've touched on earlier, the Stellar Decisis is going to be coming at the Space Bar show outside of a Space Court. If I could plug this, I'm actually developing Hmm. a space game show, which will be cool. Yeah, like just a friendly competition. You know, just get. We'll be covering the the topics of the week, and yeah, I'm really excited about that. Okay, that sounds like fun. Yeah, and the whole point is to get you know just an average person interested in the space, right? Because Mm -hmm. the theme of this is that space is for everyone. So you want to get more people aware of what's happening in the industry.
1: Well, yeah, I I don't feel like I did that justice there, that trend earlier, right? Because that's that's really a a major point here, right? Is that space is becoming a lot more accessible. You know, it's like the representation is actually beginning, Mm -hmm. beginning, not nowhere near, nowhere close to being, right? complete, but it's beginning to represent the the reality of the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is not, space is not for Americans and Russians alone. It's not for white men alone. It's, there are more space agencies than ever before. There's commercial space entities and there are people who are working in the education law and outreach stuff coming from all continents. Mm-hmm. And yeah, personally, I find that really inspiring because it's like, well, for one, going to space is inspiring. Knowing that this is something that everyone will be able to do—at least that's that's what these efforts are designed for. Yeah, knowing that that would be the reality is really, really encouraging. It's like
2: maybe we don't suck after all, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. it is a beautiful thing to think about, and I like to think about it in this way: like there is literally enough space in space for everyone. Like the universe mm-hmm. keeps expanding. There's enough oh. for everybody. So I would love to see more people getting a piece of that pie. Can, can I quote you on that? I mean, <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's going to be part of the airwaves soon enough, but that is that is brilliant. There's enough space for everyone. And and yes, the universe is constantly making more space. It's not like yeah. that, where, where there's a limit to the real estate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely want to... Definitely want to quote you on that as many times as I can there. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yes, McClee, thank you so much there for coming on and joining us and, yeah. you know, talking to the viewers about all this this stuff there. And in the future, I, I would like to get you and, in fact, a few people on to talk about face law and space medicine and all the different aspects of it, because it's like, there's so many people saying, having the same message, just different mm-hmm. subjects yeah it's like let's get our heads together and talk about what this is going to look like and i'm just going to hang back and take notes and try to turn that into a novel at some point
2: (laughs) yeah that'd be i'd read it i would definitely read it oh yeah thanks for having me on matt it's always a pleasure talking to you yeah you too
1: okay well i want to thank everyone for listening i'm matt williams this has been stories from
0: space have a good one of technology, cybersecurity, and society.